Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. If you'd like to call into our program today, use our toll-free number 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the address is leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. Now, here's health and wellness specialist, Leah Brenda-Smith. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda-Smith. And thanks for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. Today's topic is all about less is more. And before we get involved with that, if you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at leahbrendasmith.com or Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Facebook. And... This subject today, less is more, less is more. It's a subject really that I'm, I know we can all relate to, and um, it's something that uh, can be a little elusive at times as well. There's a lot of illusions because we live in a society that's driven by this idea that more is better. And our society is focused on abundance and excess. But I think it's more recently that people have been, only recently that people have been really thinking about, well, what's really the cost of that? What is the cost of that supersize me kind of mentality? You know, this, this whole approach of bigger is better, it puts more stress on everything and it slowly... It's just slowly, if you like, eroding away at the natural resources of the planet. Now, personally, I'm not an environmental activist per se, but I certainly do love the planet. And I also have a good sense, I have the good sense to know, as, as I'm sure you do as well, that really the future is always dependent on how we contribute to things in the present. So sometimes that instant gratification and just looking in the moment in terms of how can I have bigger and better and more now, now, and now gives a a short-term kind of a fulfillment, but it's not something that's lasting and sustainable. And uh, in in some respects, with some things, uh, it has an effect on on the planet. It has a huge effect on the environment. And, you know, we have all that flashy, um, 
advertising that everywhere you go it's in print it's um on the big screen and and uh I, I went somewhere, I can't remember the name of it, in Toronto, actually, this intersection where the whole intersection is just these, like, double, triple, like, how many stories high of all these billboards and advertising. It was quite uh, quite surreal. It seemed like it belonged in some kind of futuristic uh, movie. Um, but it was very real on the streets of Toronto, which it's true in all the other big cities as well. Uh, Toronto is even smaller than some of the other places where the advertising is even more mega and more flashy. And it's there to entice us into that consumerism. You know, it, uh, it's seducing us into thinking that bigger is better, newer is better, faster is better, more expensive is better. That's the illusion, because in reality, really, bigger is just bigger, and newer is just newer, faster is just faster, and more expensive is just more expensive. If you think about it, really, life has been, um, we've really become inundated with things, and the modern day home has become like an electronic mecca. Yet we don't necessarily appreciate or value what it is that we have. And often before we even get the hang of the newest gadget and figure out all the apps and how to work it, it's not so new anymore because the new and improved, new and improved model is really flooding the market. And then another aspect of this really is that in reality, Most people don't even use half of what they have, and I include myself in that. You know, the the energy, too, there's this energy of entitlement and expectation that goes along with the experience of overindulgence in consumerism. And then we find that gratitude and respect and care for things that those things are not always practiced. And also, I think that there is much more of a direct correlation between the numbers of people that are suffering with things like anxiety and obesity and addictions, depression, and all, all, all kinds of health issues. And it's more, more of a direct correlation to excess, that idea of excess and overindulgence, you know, it's more related than we're really, really willing and really ready to admit a lot of the times. And even when um, ourselves personally are struck by something with our health, it's not really (laughs) our quickest beeline to realizing or taking the responsibility to realize that it's actually our action and our behavior that's bringing us to these things, it takes a great commitment. It takes a great commitment to, and a a great amount of consciousness to dissociate, if you like, or to extract yourself from these, uh, the images and the whole energy and the way that society is driven. It takes single-mindedness of focus, and it takes a commitment on the part of an individual 
to make a new way and to go against those established ways when you recognize that they aren't necessarily uh, healthy for yourself and healthy for the planet. You know, the whole idea uh, when it comes to excess and overindulgence in whatever form you experience it, you know that saying from Alcoholics Anonymous that is not so anonymous, the saying of one is too many and a thousand is never enough. You know, well-being is always about balance. And excess, in whatever form, is always above and beyond that which is required, that which is necessary, that which is harmonious, or even that which is congruent. And always, excess is above and beyond that which really is sustainable. You know, like most things, you know, I have found the notion of balancing the excess ratio to be a very personal, it's very personal. And it's, I found that it's something that each individual comes to in their own time and in their own way. And um, even uh, one by one with particular specific things. And I have found for myself that slowly over time, especially more so in the last decade than, than any other time, that, that I have really come, I've come more into balance with my own overindulgences. And, and I continue really on this path. I, I, uh, I'm certainly well on my path to bringing balance. Um, and then I become more aware of how my own personal choices affect not only my life and the people around me, but the energy of the planet as well and the consciousness really that comes off of me and what it is that I'm sharing in the world. And and that's true for all of us. And I know that um, many times people say, well, you know, what can one person do or one person can't make a difference? And the difference that one person makes is always a contribution to having things come into balance. And even when we don't gather together in groups necessarily, we don't always do that in terms of the, our pursuits. Sometimes the path that we're on is, is a more solitary one or something that we're doing within ourselves. You may be the first one in your family or in your community or in your group of something or you, on your block or whatever to make a new way or to, to move towards something that's more balanced. And even though everyone is not necessarily doing it all together under the same roof, that collective shift is a collective. It is a collective, even though we're not all together in the same place doing it. So every contribution, every movement towards change and balance and harmony, every time there is gestures and actions and and a shift towards coming into balance, it's something that has an effect, a positive effect on everyone. And there is always the effect that is about leading by example and the recognition that 
even um, even if you don't have children directly in your life, in terms of if you don't have children or you aren't um, an auntie or a grandma or somebody's significant other in terms of rearing children, that even if that's the case, that all children see everybody all the time. Children see everyone, whether they're related to them or not. And we are always an example to the children, to the next generations. They watch what we do. Not just hear what we say, but they watch what we do. And so we always have an opportunity to, to be a good example of balance. And the idea of less is more. I'm ready for that less is more mentality. You know, I'm ready to balance the excess ratio in my own life. And lately I've become more acutely aware of how the balance between enough and too much, that it really exists in every domain of life. It's not just in consumerism or in the ways that we typically think about addictions or think about excess. You know, just imagine less thinking, producing more clarity and less clutter, providing more space, less tension, really encouraging more harmony. And less food can certainly provide you with more energy. And less fear can give you the experience of having more trust. So there's lots of ways that this whole idea of less is more can show up in your life. I came across this um, idea of less pain and more love. And I want to share with you and retell a little story that I read on Laurie Duchenne's uh, blog, Tiny Wisdom. And just before I do that, here's a little quote from Maury Schwartz that says, The most important thing in this world is to learn to give out love and to let it come in. You know, there's some some people that we feel will never understand us. They make choices that we'd never make. They don't understand why we do what we do. And they don't give us what we need in our relationships with them. And vegetarian author and advocate John Robbins had a man like that in his life. And that man was his father. And the thing that he didn't know how to give was love. His father, Irv Robbins, co-founder of the ice cream company Baskin and Robbins, he lived a life that was dominated by the pursuit of more. He believed that that children should be seen and not heard and fathered with an authoritarian coldness. And years after, when Irv held his autistic grandson for the first time, he asked his son John, 
Do you think all children need love or just those kind? Now, clearly John could have unleashed really a lifetime of bitterness for his own experience of his childhood without warmth and without affection. But instead, he saw his father for who he was in that moment. He saw an old man from a different time who was opening. He was opening. He was open to learn a new and a different way. And then years later, when Irv was on his deathbed, and his son John was there, and he repeatedly kissed his forehead, even while his dad was on the morphine that was dulling his final pain, and and Irv asked John why he had done that. And John responded, because I'm showing my love. And then Irv responded, that's been important to you, huh? Followed by less pain. And then John responded, more love. Irv said, less pain. John said, more love. And then John kissed his forehead one more time, and then Irv released and he fully accepted it, and he said, that felt good. And John said, less pain. And the last words that he heard his father say were, more love. Sometimes the people who need our love the most are the ones that we feel may deserve it the least. Now, we can't make that judgment and stay bitter. We can. We can make that judgment. We can stay bitter. Or what we can do is actively contribute to making the world a more loving place. Less pain, more love. Now, for me, this is really a very heartwarming story. A story where love triumphs over pain. Now, John didn't give up on his dad. All it took really was a willingness to learn a different way of being, a different focus, a focus on the connection of one human being to another, fulfillment and peace that were coming from both John and his dad because both John and his dad were willing to let go of their pain, authentically sharing less pain, more love. (laughs) Um, There are no doubt in some way, you know, people can relate to this from their own personal lives, maybe not in an exact kind of scenario, but the message that's there really is, is something that's really really prevalent amongst humanity in terms of the struggles that we have sometimes with people that we're close with to get on the same page if you like or to understand each other or to find that open flow when we're coming from different different ways of being <laughs> here's a little quote from Brian Kessler he says 
the closest thing to being in control will ever be is in that moment when we realize that we're not. <laughs> no, um, let's just look at this idea of when enough is better than more. So when less is more, when enough is better than more, Oprah Winfrey said that if you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never have enough. And just share this little scenario from uh, another blog. And um, it's about, you know, it's holiday time and a young teenager, she was so excited to have received a $50 gift certificate and a few new items for her wardrobe. And everything was wonderful for her until she realized that another girl had received a $500 gift card and an iPad. And then suddenly that initial happiness and the excitement that the girl had, it turned into feeling inadequate. And this is certainly one of the, the downsides, if you like, of our current consumer culture. And this scenario, it, it's a small, it really highlights uh, how this really affects children. And, you know, the ill effects of comparison are, are just part of our daily adult world. And unfortunately, sometimes being driven by comparison can have detrimental effects on the family. It can be perplexing or exciting to identify what you yourself believe is enough, and to experience satisfaction regardless of what choices other people are making. Now, research um, shows that people adjust their spending based on the earners that are just above them. And they do so whether they can afford it or not. So as an example, when people with more money earn even more money, then they buy bigger houses or more things. And then the earners just below them feel enticed into buying bigger also. And then this trend just flows down that, uh, the economic ladder. And really the end result is a lot of people buying houses farther away from work to get more value for their dollar, which translates into commuting longer hours, borrowing more money, saving less money, and often spending beyond their means. Now the downside of all of this is just that all of it can lead to an increase in stress and a decrease in overall satisfaction. You know, all of this is really perpetuating that mythology of keeping up with the Joneses. And for some people, not keeping up can feel like defeat. So really, it's a good thing to ask yourself the question, what does it really mean for you? What does success really mean for you? Is it really about filling your life with things based on what other people think they need? Or is it about spending your time on experiences based on what you truly want? 
Now, it's natural for um, our conditioned mind to compare ourselves to other people. Yet really the point is to be mindful of what you are comparing. It's not really about having the same things as other people and thinking that they are happy, and so if you have what they have, that that will make you happy. It's more about making choices that are based on lasting fulfillment and not a temporary fix of happiness that comes from getting the new car or home or the fancy vacation or whatever it is that, that's often mistaken for happiness. Now, it may be about making similar choices to people who are truly happy, which rarely have anything to do with, you know, really chasing bigger and better things for tomorrow. It's more, it's more, it has everything to do with really peacefully creating and appreciating enough today and every day. You know, Will Rogers said that too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. And I guess that's one of the um, responses or reactions or things that happen when we're driven by this consumerism and when we get enticed by the flashy advertising and keeping up with the Joneses. There is a, a little proverb that says, don't use a lot when a little will do. And, you know, starting on the path to live more sustainably or with less excess in a more sustainable way, it may seem a little challenging, especially if you don't know where to start. And it can take a bit of getting used to to be conscious of what you're doing. But really, if you, if you look at it in a, in a simplistic way, it's not really that hard. I'm going to just give you some really basic, very basic tips for those that are really just starting to get on the track. And um, they're great tips from um, uh, No Ordinary Homestead by Tiffany. So she suggests to stop using paper towels for everything and, and just use, um, just buy some inexpensive uh, cloth napkins that you can use every day or dish towels or hand towels that you can use to clean up things that you normally use paper towels for, and then you can just throw them in the wash. And looking for ways to reuse everything. You know, there's really hundreds of sites out there with ideas on decor and crafts and other things. And then if you don't need something or you finish a product and you can give it for a gift or you can even sell it, people that are looking for ways to um, make an income in a, in a more relaxed way. And there's more and more of a trend towards uh, thinking about and starting to plant a garden. Even if you just start with growing your own herbs or even one tomato plant, to just get started, the taste is certainly very, very different when you have homegrown things from your garden, the joy of that. You know, some people are just growing it in containers on their balcony or just a small portion of their yard or even growing things indoor. 
and cooking for yourself. It clearly saves you money. You'll always eat better, always eat better than eating out or than eating um, packaged food. And um, some people find that they really enjoy it. And then conserving your resources. You know, people talk about this all the time. You know, if you're not in the room to turn off the lights and to turn off the television or other things when you're not using them, which will certainly save on electricity, and you may find yourself even being more productive. Some people are sensitive to the electronics in terms of just, you know, things coming off the computer screen and the electricity and the TV going, and um, they find that they're more productive if they don't have these things on. And then learning how to make things yourself. Even things like um, people are making Play-Doh, people are making shampoo, laundry detergent, and there's all kinds of things that people are doing that um, they're making soap and things are a lot cheaper. And you can find that things are healthier. And you might even enjoy doing that kind of thing. Even uh, home repairs and renovations you want to leave the things like the plumbing and the electricity to the pros because there's codes for things like that. But, you know, there's lots of things you can learn to do on your own. You can switch to simple cleaning solutions, things that you can make just, uh, you know, with baking soda and vinegar. If you want some nice smelling um, products, you can add uh, just a few drops of essential oils. And using and enjoying what you have is a huge step in the direction of sustainability. You know, some people suggest just um, putting a freeze on on uh, buying things and to help them learn to uh, cultivate that appreciation for what they have. I certainly feel that that's a, that's a great thing. I've been thinking about these types of things lately a lot. You know, even the idea of reading the books that are on your shelf or wearing the clothes in your closet. Or even some, I've heard of some families that pack up um, some of the uh, toys in their room and kind of cycle them through so that the kids uh, seem like they're having, um, you know, new toys to play with, new things to focus on every couple of weeks. But they're just taking the excess and pulling it aside and then reintroducing it. And some would suggest then if you want to get new things that you kind of swap out, take some things out of your closet as an example that you aren't using and that you don't wear so you can make room for the new things. And the idea of buying quality items and sharing them with other people. You know, some people throw out a lot of things that are still really good. And there's the um, uh, sites like FreeCycle and Craigslist that often have things that people are getting rid of for free. You can do a book and clothing swaps with your friends and your neighbors, passing on toys to other generations in your family. There's lots of ways to just keep moving and recycling things around without needing to go and create more excess. And then the idea of shopping locally. And, 
you know, look in your city for where you can get that fresh local produce and locally grown hormone-free meat. And in that way, you can also be supporting the businesses in your community. You're helping out your local economy. And you'll also find that you would be eating healthier, in-season food. And there's a little quote here by Donald Horbin that says, We don't need to increase our goods nearly as much as we need to scale down our wants. Not wanting something is as good as possessing it. So the idea of scaling down our wants, not increasing our goods. Now in so many instances, that idea of less is more. You know, the lower, lower quantity can allow more time to focus on quality. So it doesn't really matter. Whatever your project, whatever your dream is, the less is more philosophy can go a long way in creating value and, and enabling progress. So maybe you won't have a large number of hours to commit, but you'll certainly have an incentive to prioritize your goals, which can help you focus and become more effective. You may not have abundant resources. However, your passion and your purpose may be your greatest assets. There's never any limit to what you can accomplish when you invest yourself in a vision that you're really inspired by. Now, you may not have a lot of customers, but if you focus on providing exceptional service, it can be a lot more valuable than a dozen really superficial connections or run-of-the-mill experiences. Now, when we focus on doing less and doing it well, instead of doing more and assuming that it's better, then we're less scattered. We're more deliberate. We're less harried and we're more present. And perhaps really in the long run, that's exactly what we want. You know, life is not simply about the goals and the outcomes that we visualize. It's also the happiness and the satisfaction that we imagine we will experience through the achievement of our goals. You know, that biggest advantage to doing less may be that you create more space to enjoy what you are doing in the present and not waiting for that you know, uh, supposed enjoyment that will come in the future once you've strived and worked hard your whole life. I know a lot of people have been caught in that kind of a mentality of, um, you know, working so hard, working so hard, thinking then in the future, you know, that they'll be able to uh, enjoy themselves. And, and lots of times in situations like that, it's really at what cost, you want to ask yourself, at what cost? At the cost of having all those years with your family while you were working so hard and your focus was on that. 
even though your intentions were in the right place, your intention was all along that you were making a better life for your family, but in the meantime, maybe didn't realize that you missed you missed out on so much, and so did your family because you weren't present, you weren't available, because your focus was on all that hard work for some future to work to have the enjoyment in the future. You know, the Dalai Lama said that most of our troubles are due to our passionate desire for and attachment to things that we misapprehend as enduring entities. Now, I recently had a, um, an experience while I was uh, sharing with a close, a close loved one, and, and I really surprised myself uh, by saying this. I said, can we stay like this until yesterday comes around again? And at that time, I certainly thought it was a very odd kind of statement. You know, it it was very reflective, really, of the perfection, really, that I felt in in the moment in our in our time together in our sharing. And it's not so unnatural to want to suspend time or to bottle up precious moments, so you can carry, you know, carry with you forever the sights and the the sounds, the sensations, the feelings, you know, the moments that were perfect for you. At the same time, it's good to consider that you can't really, you can't fully appreciate a gorgeous sunset if you're wishing that it would never rain again. Or you can't really enjoy a moment of true connection if you're wishing that you would never feel alone again. And you can't fully appreciate a relaxing day if you're wishing that you never had to be so busy again. You know, perhaps, perhaps an important key to happiness is focusing less on making moments last and more on making moments count which can happen when you fully experience the precious moments in life instead of wishing that they would never end. You know, it's part of that experience of being human to, to wonder if you would be happier with more. Yet, we can work. You know, you can really work with that instinct and realize that that you can have more joyful experiences when you're willing to cling to your experiences less. Now we can't um, we can't we can't be happy if we're always thinking about the next thing. We can't get things done when clutter is weighing us down and blocking our way. Now we need time to to take a breath and enjoy the moment and to simplify life. Take time. (laughs) Take time to take a breath. Take time to enjoy the moment and and really to simplify your life. I'd have to say that that's, 
That is what I have come to more recently. And it's um, part of what prompted me to, to pick this subject today for the show. You know, is the I had become aware of the propensity to think and to analyze and to sort of review things and the idea of being caught like what's out there being broadcast in the world of the more is better mentality. And and feeling um, now uh, with this focus of simplifying and simplicity and, um, and wanting to to purge things and wanting to uh, become really clear and specific about what my goals really are, what it is that I really want for myself and, and what I want to be doing now and the directions I want to be moving into so that there is more opportunity for enjoyment. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I know one of the things that people are often challenged by is this whole idea of, of perfectionism, and that's part of what uh, uh, makes it difficult to kind of uh, go into a more of a laid-back or relaxed enjoyment kind of a state. You know, um, you know that kind of state where you analyze everything, you know, your thoughts and your phrases, your sentences, your actions what's moving through your head and through your heart. Now, I've always been pleased to know that, that you know, I, I'm, I look to do things well and I wor- work diligently to deliver a quality product and I enjoy, for the most part, being organized and, and detailed and it's really served me well. Yet at the same time, you know, People often feel that pressure or, or feel stopped or afraid to take steps in a new direction because of that fear of failure or, if you like, the fear even of success. And Webster's defines perfectionism as a personal standard, attitude, or philosophy that really demands perfection and rejects anything else. And... You know, some people suggest that perfectionism is not, is not born, that it's made, and it typically happens at an early age. You know, so many children are pushed to deliver excellence, and there are certainly merits to encouraging high performance in children. But extreme control and con- extreme really instilling perfectionism in young children can come out later in extreme forms as an adult where you're really caught in that whole thing of perfectionism. You know, you have that pressure to perform. And it can be perceived by children as criticism for mistakes or for failing to achieve. But it is a very delicate balance, right? That dividing line between having high standards, and the painful distress of perfectionism, it can be a very thin line. But there are ways to address that, and just with a little bit of introspection and some simple strategies, you can soften that need to be perfect. And Nancy Shear has just some tips, you know, that can help you determine when perfectionism is paying off and when it's getting in your way. 
So one of the things would be to just conduct a risk-benefit analysis, she says. Right? So if you desire to be perfect all the time and it's dominating your life and causing you anxiety and stress, then you want to look at that. What's really that risk-benefit analysis is really that's what that's about. You know, ask yourself, is your perfectionism really serving you and serving those around you? And you can focus on your your challenging areas, you know, because we're not all perfectionists all across the board in all areas of our life. So you can look at, is it in your relationships or meeting deadlines or seeing minor mistakes as huge infractions? Maybe it comes out in organizing your home or your appearance. Just take time to identify the areas where perfectionism is really causing you the most stress and what are the kinds of triggers, you know, what really triggers that behavior for you. You know, an American uh, engineer um, said that uh, the, um, the problem that's well stated is a problem half solved. So you want to really identify the issue and divine, define, really define the payoff for yourself in order to make a shift. And then really embracing mistakes. Sometimes those excessive concerns over making mistakes can undermine your performance. So just ask yourself, when you make a mistake, do you criticize yourself and then add that shame and the blame and the guilt onto it? And then the... um, You want to question your beliefs and challenge your thinking. You know, it's really vital. Is it really vital? Ask yourself, is it really vital for every item in your living room to be perfectly placed? You know, would it be okay if things were a little out of order? So you want to ask yourself, really, what is, what's the benefit? What's the cost and what's the benefit of being excessive in being perfect? The idea is to create more balance in your life. And you can do that by initiating activities with others, enjoying relaxation, even little changes, like incorporating breaks into your workday can enhance your creativity, you can refuel yourself or make a positive impact. And finding ways that you can redistribute your time and your resources support from others, effective ways of improving performance. You can practice kindness towards others. And by taking the focus off of yourself, it can help kind of tip the scales towards gratitude instead of focusing on what you perceived as being flawed. So really remember, perfectionism in itself isn't the offender, but allowing it to run rampant in an extreme way, in excess, is what can jeopardize your well-being. So you want to eliminate the sharp edges of your perfectionism, and and it can enhance your productivity without compromising your pursuit of excellence. E.F. Schumacher says that any intelligent fool can make things bigger, more complex, and more violent. But it takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. 
and Frederick Chopin said that simplicity is the final achievement. After one has played a vast quantity of notes and more notes, it is simplicity that emerges as the crowning reward of art. And that's so great. Simplicity is the crowning reward of art. (laughs) There's been so many folks giving us such great, great little sayings, little quotes about how we can um, appreciate the more is less idea. You know, have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. From William Morris. And Francis Joudan says that one can furnish a room with very luxuriously by taking out furniture rather than putting it in. And Lao Tzu says, when you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. And woman says, if your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, then this is the best, the best season of your life. The very best season of your life. You know, owning less stuff and focusing on fewer tasks and having less in the way, it might give you more time and more freedom and it might bring more meaning to your life. You know, working less might allow you to contribute more, to grow more, or even give you more time to pursue your, um, just to pursue your passions. And having more time can cause less frustration and less stress. It can provide more freedom, which can translate into less anxiety and less worry. And less anxiety and less worry can add more meaning to your life and can allow you to focus less on life's excess in favor of what is really truly important. You know, um, as millions of Americans found themselves waking up with less disposable income and there were fewer job prospects and less income, and many people are rediscovering the joys of growing their own food and educating themselves about sustainable living, purging things they don't need, sharing more in their communities, spending more time in nature, and spending more time with their family. And, and instead of working at jobs that they, that they don't like, more people are starting their own enterprises that are focused on things that, that make the world a better place for everyone. So it seems that a new version of happiness is slowly emerging and a, a new wave of fulfillment that's based on authentic relationships and connections to each other and to nature and really a movement away from all the things that you can consume in the mall. So many people are choosing to live 
and to work in a world where the economy is not the most important factor. And the decisions that they make are more focused on living a happier, healthier, less stressed, and more wholesome life. So there's greater freedom in having enough than there is in always striving to have more and more. So really that less is more paradigm shifts about simplicity and sustainability. It's about asking yourself, how do I really want to live? Ask yourself, how do I really want to live? What makes me happy? What are my actions doing to the planet? How does my lifestyle contribute to the greater good? These are good questions to reflect upon daily. Now, there are still, there are still countless individuals that leave the tap water, water running and think that the local recycling program is for someone else. They throw out more food than they consume. They leave the television on when no one's watching it. And they throw garbage in the street. That still happens. And David Wan writes that if so many of us are willing to die for our country, why are we afraid to live for it moderately and unselfishly? There's still a high value on convenience and size and speed than there is on the well-being of living things and ourselves. So he calls for a change in the patterns of how and where we live, work, and eat. And it's exactly these kinds of change that will contribute to a more sustainable tomorrow. So each individual can make an impact by the choices they make in the way that they live, and work, and participate in their community. We all know you can't buy happiness, or great friends, or health, or even a healthy community. But you can rediscover the joy and the satisfaction that comes from simplicity, from being frugal, and from community. We can all contribute to remaking the world, a world where everyone gets to share. So making that paradigm shift of, less is more within yourself that can really inspire new levels of well-being for yourself and for the planet and I'll leave you here with one last uh, quote here by Lao Tzu that says being content with what you have be content with what you have rejoice in the way things are and when you realize nothing is lacking, then the whole world belongs to you. When nothing is lacking, the whole world belongs to you. So ask yourself those simple questions. How do I want to live? What makes me happy? What are my actions doing to the planet? And how does my lifestyle contribute to the greater good? Good things to think about as we move in that direction of appreciating simplicity and knowing that less is more. I thank you so much for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. 
We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 